really excited that we're recording the podcast today because I'm in the midst of a tragedy. Oh, no. Anar, what's your tragedy? I've been rejected by a top-tier lip mag that would be just so lucky to have my very strange, very weird screenwriting hybrid poetry. <laughs> um, I can't believe they said no. And I was like, I need to talk to Claire about this. We need to talk about submissions. Yeah. First of all, what were they thinking? Um, <laughs> and secondly, I can relate. I've been rejected once or twice from said prestigious literary journals mm -hmm. and also prestigious literary presses and some not so prestigious. So I know the feeling, but let's let's talk about it. Tell me tell me how you're feeling. Oh my God, I just have so many questions, and I think that our listeners will be excited to have a very practical, but also personal, mm -hmm. look into what it's like to submit your work, to be vulnerable, strategies, where, why, how, and yeah, these are the kinds of questions about submissions that we interrogate as people who accept submissions and as people who send out submissions. Mm -hmm. And obviously what I did this last round was clearly wrong in the sense that like <laughs> I got a big old rejection. But did it feel good to try? Totally. Yeah. And maybe you didn't do it wrong. Something tells me you followed the guidelines to a T. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know your work is great because I have read it. So sometimes it just doesn't work out. And that's a bummer. But I think we'll we'll get to it. Um, I, I'm curious about where to submit because I think that is the first step after you've obviously written the poems there or we go. There we whatever go. you're going to write that's step one next is trying to figure out where to submit the work um and I have trouble with this as well I have I think an odd writing style when it comes to poetry that is hard to place but what's your strategy when you're just thinking about where to submit your work in the first place oh my gosh so it's the same advice it's like if you want to write read if you want to submit, read. Mm. Um, and so, like, first and foremost, before you even begin to consider where to submit, take a look at your shelf and ask yourself, what are the literary magazines that I love and I financially support? Um, who are the authors that I cannot get enough of? What are the presses that publish them? Mm. And then begin to ask yourself, like, who are the writers that inspire me and that I align with and who I value and are doing groundbreaking work? Possibly who are the writers that I feel like I'm having a silent dialogue or conversation with, mm -hmm. with my own work? And then, you know, Claire and I are, are strange creatures. A lot of our favorite authors have long passed, but there's so many great contemporary writers and if you take a peek at their bio, you're going to see some places where they've previously been published listed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very easy, organic way to begin to build a list. Yeah. 
The younger version of myself, Anar, would hate to hear what I'm about to say, but if you're just reading Keats and Hopkins and Yeats and, I don't know, Elizabeth Browning, there's something wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I only just mentioned authors that I love. Okay. I love Whitman. I love Sylvia Plath, you know, inching a little more into the contemporary moment. But if you're only reading them, you're really doing yourself a disservice at the very least. Even if like that's your aesthetic, okay, I still think you should investigate that. But there are an amazing array of contemporary writers, not just in the United States. We love to read works in translation from all over the world. So you're doing yourself a huge disservice. And even just as a strategy, find the voices that you feel a kinship to in your work. And like you said, just check out the bio in the back of the book. I've done this so many times and I'm like, oh, Pink, I've heard of them. Maybe I should check out their website and read some of the poems they've published and submit my work there. And, you know, it doesn't always pan out. I think we're going to say that a few times on this episode in our, but it's a great strategy to use. And this is a separate practice from the writing itself. There is the housekeeping element of being a writer if you do have aspirations to be published, and this is just part of it. So it's really good to take notes and to figure out new ways to do it if you're just kind of tossing your work out there and nothing's happening. Ooh, beautifully said, Claire. Yeah. And then, okay, so you've got a list. And there's a couple of ways you can go about this, but a lot of people keep a spreadsheet right. of where, when they typically open for submissions you know, costs, which is a whole part of this conversation we're going to have here pretty soon, mm -hmm. and guidelines. But you've got to read these lit mags and presses to see if you really do want to be a part of that greater dialogue, the mission statement of the magazines you're considering sending mm -hmm. your work to, because we're all different creatures and we're all saying different things. And yeah, sometimes we don't quite fit where we would like to, but it's going to feel so much better once you do find the kinds of places that yes. are a better fit for you and your vision and what you believe in as an artist. Yeah, I agree. It's really important to read the journals, the magazines, the presses. And, you know, let's say for a lit mag, it doesn't mean that you have to read what they're publishing every day or like you have to read every single back issue read the newest issue that takes an afternoon at most read the newest issue read the genre that you write and and aim to publish in uh, and you'll know and this kind of speaks to a deeper philosophical quandary I think as a writer which is don't don't do the inverse of this <laughs> I I would advocate not to do the inverse of this which is to read pank and to that go okay here are the writers who are publishing work here and how can I write like them I say stay true to yourself do the thing that you do continue to hone that craft and explore what that really is and then find the places that make the most sense for you to publish exactly okay so 
tragically, sadly, unfortunately, some of the resources that writers have used as places that listed opportunities in the past, like Entropy and a couple of other places, have since folded. But there's a couple of pretty solid lists going around. And just from managing host publications, I can say that a source that I submit our submissions for is clmp.org. And we're a member there. They support Mm -hmm. small independent presses. Um, They are great. They have certain guidelines that they would like the presses that are members to meet that protect presses, protect writers. Um, We really are so lucky and grateful to be part of that community. And so sending our submissions there, we know that with that list, we're in great company with other presses that have similar values as we do. Um, And so that's somewhere where we actively make sure our listing is open. Yeah. And then I was browsing and I was just so excited um, to see places that I truly would love to see my work in. And yeah, I started adding to my list. Nice. And CLMP does submissions calls. Are those mostly through their newsletter or would one go to their website to find them? Great question. Um, You do go to their website. I'm sure if you just Google CLMP submissions, it'll take you to the open submissions calls. And usually those link out to Submittable, which is this larger platform that I'd say majority of presses at this point create an account and manage their listings. So if you don't yet have a submittable account, you can make one for free. Presses accepting submissions do have a small fee, but organizations like CLMP allows us to um, manage those costs with a very generous discount. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'll say that it has some very excellent filtering features. You can filter by when something opens, you can follow a press. Um, so as soon as they are open for submissions, you'll get a notification. Yeah, it's a very clean platform, pretty easy to use. Um, yeah, I highly, highly recommend if you haven't checked it out. You could filter through art submissions, poetry, film, plays, literally, yeah, full length there's so many so many ways to make it work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's a little easier to find a list of where to submit because um, it can be overwhelming. There's yeah. so many places. Yeah. So it's nice when you've got a, a list that's been curated by writers, artists, organizations. Um, Claire, I think you mentioned to me that you stumbled across something the other day. Yes, talking with a poet friend, shout out Adam Edelman. Um, He was telling me that since Entropy Magazine ceased doing their Where to Submit page, uh, a little press called Heavy Feather Review has been picking up the slack in that department. It seems like they saw a need and decided to fill it. So I'm super grateful to know that Heavy Feather Review is now doing a where to submit page. And like you said, it is curated. It's really helpful because they organize the 
calls for submissions in two categories. So there's presses. That's going to be for full length submissions. It lets you know the name of the press and links you out to it. Tells you when the deadline is, what the genre is, and what the fee is, uh, and any other pertinent information, like if it's a prize and there's special uh, qualifications that you need for that prize to be considered. Um, it's super, super helpful in that way, too, because a lot of that information can be difficult to dig through yourself all over the Internet. So in addition to full links, they have a chapbook section a section for journals and anthologies, and even fellowships and other writing residency opportunities at the very bottom. So it's a really cool list. And I'm definitely going to be using it this year to help keep myself organized and to find new presses to add into my own personal submission spreadsheet, because I do keep a spreadsheet. <laughs> you, you have to at this point, especially, so I may submit five poems a year in one document mm -hmm. type of gal. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of other a lot of other things. It can become a full time job. Yeah, I've seen some spreadsheets. People keeping tabs on their simultaneous submissions, mm -hmm. and just really trying to keep tabs on where exactly they send their work. Um, it can get really wild and messy very quickly yeah but the spreadsheets I will say submittable is a great resource for that as well because on your account when you go to my submissions it shows you if you've submitted through submittable it shows you everything that you have submitted whether it is currently active whether it was accepted declined or withdrawn yeah so in terms of keeping track of where you've submitted if you're using submittable they they really help out with that um but I love to use my spreadsheet, especially for compiling a list of ideas of places to submit and when their deadlines are. And yeah, if I have already submitted to them, I like to highlight it so that I know it's done and, and move on from there. So we don't have to go in depth, but an interesting strategy that I learned a while back was when you first start submitting your work, is kind of tearing those places. Mm -hmm. So as writers, we're constantly changing. Yeah, we're just, we're growing. We're learning new skills. That's the beauty of writing is that there's just mm -hmm. so much to learn. And so tiering submissions looks like at the very top, there's the mega presses um, that you'd love to see your work in. It's places that probably pay very well, places that are mm -hmm. considered prestigious, places that are distributed internationally. Um, so there's, you know, I'm thinking like Paris Review, Poetry, yes, you know, some of those like New Yorker, some of those places that it's like everyone knows that if you land there, you're doing all right. Um, <laughs> and... You know, I think my strategy has been shoot for the stars and kind of see where you land. And, you know, landing back on Earth is is what's what's going on, y'all. But <laughs> there's nothing um, wrong with that, though. <laughs> not at all. Um, yeah. And then so slowly over time, you kind of begin to manage those tiers of like, 
my work's not quite right or quite ready for this press. What is like a notch below that in terms of like prestige or distribution or pay? And then you just kind of slowly bring it down. Um, You know, there's some places that are smaller local. You're connected with that community. Mm -hmm. They're happy to publish your work because you're part of that literary community. And so we always say support your local literary community. Yeah. Read, submit, show up to their events. Um, You know, as I get older, I'm just like understanding that what we consider to be prestigious or the place Mm -hmm. has completely changed in my mind and in my eyes um, as my personal values shift. Yeah. So be prepared for that as soon as you turn 30, (laughs) y'all. Yes, I can totally relate, Anar. And it's it's another opportunity for this to turn into a philosophical discussion about that value Mm -hmm. and how we determine it. And if we're determining value based on pay and prestige, we might not be in this for the right reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's also a place where the opportunity to do some research comes in as well, because for some, they only know these bigger names because they haven't done extensive research and reading among the smaller communities. And I think that that is really important because they are committed to being small and taking care of their community Mm -hmm. and it's more intimate. Um, I know that some of the smaller places I've been published have been the best because they nominated my work for the best of the net anthology or I just got an Instagram DM this week about potentially reading at AWP in Seattle. And I'm not going to be there. And I'm really sad about that. But it was so wonderful to receive that DM. And to know that even though they published me like two years ago, I'm still in their community. I'm still on their list. And I think that that's sort of part of the strengths of, of publishing in smaller places that aren't as known. So yeah, doing a little research can can be really beneficial and sort of reframing your idea about what you want for yourself as a writer and what you want for your work. Yeah. Y'all, we're really skirting the big philosophical questions of just <laughs> why. I mean, you guys, the What the Hell series is is creeping up on me, but it's also just like, why do we sit down and write? Mm-hmm. Why do we sit down and read? Um, but, you know, we're, we're saving some of these questions <laughs> towards the end. We're not going to have an existential crisis right at this moment, but right. we're swimming in and out of it. We're really trying our best. Thank you for pulling me back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, researching could be fun, could be thrilling. And the beauty of it is like, About a year ago, I stumbled upon a lit mag I didn't know existed, Mm -hmm. and it's Black Sun Lit, gonna say it. Yes. So good. I I stumbled upon their booth at AWP. Y'all, I left AWP. There's been years where it's, it's good in that I meet wonderful people, but in terms of my own work, it can be challenging because I don't see what I'm doing actively out in magazines. Um, And that can be a struggle 
but I left AWP with a tote bag full of lip mags and books and I bought a couple of the Black Sun Lit issues and was just so fulfilled and so just happy that they're doing work that I have so much love, respect, Mm -hmm. admiration, and kinship towards. So your press is out there. You just might not have come across them yet, which is why markets and conferences can really be a good thing if you're still trying to find your tribe. Yeah. Well, that's the where of it. Let's get into the how. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I think there's just a couple of really simple things. And maybe you already know this stuff, but it could be good to be reminded because this whole process can be so arduous and so confusing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to just reiterate that the how of it starts with following the guidelines, which means you read the guidelines page for every place you submit. It's not just a turn and burn dumping your manuscript or your set of poems everywhere in the same way. You know, it's just one of those things. Not everybody wants to receive submissions the same way. So it would be really sad to not have your work considered somewhere because you submitted it in a Word doc instead of a PDF, for example. That would be really sad because they have the right to say, oh, this person didn't follow the guidelines. I'm simply going to take that out of my pile and move on to the next. So following the guidelines, it's pretty square, but we have to do it. It's just being a good literary citizen. And within those guidelines, you might find that you don't qualify for this. You're not the person or the audience that they're reaching out for this time. Um, and it's important to take note. You you want to be respectful of your time. Yeah. And often, if, if you're paying for a submission, make sure that you read the guidelines. Some places even don't want to see your name on the document. Like, it That's really right. varies. So that is such an easy rule to follow, but you would be surprised what we've seen <laughs> in the past. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really important. Um, And then my other big tip for poets is, okay, so we're all different and we're all doing different work. You might have a really specific way you envision your poems unfolding. And in some cases, that may be more important than what I'm about to say. But definitely consider the strategy of putting your best poems first, regardless of whether or not in your book you think that they should land somewhere else. And by best, you know, of course that's subjective, but I'm talking about the poems that are most iconic for what you think your work is and what your work Mm -hmm. does. Those are the poems that your reader needs to read first. That will help teach them what to expect as they keep reading And it will also hook them in to want to keep reading because that's not a given. They have to read through a lot of submissions. It's just the fact of it. So I definitely believe in putting your best poems first, regardless of the other concerns you might have for for the ordering of your of your manuscript or your batch of poems. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. I will say that, like, you know, we do read our submissions in full and I don't 
believe a lot of places do. Right. But because we do, I can't tell you the amount of times where some of the poems aren't as strong. Maybe there's an arc going on with the way that it was organized. But then that last third is some of the best work I've ever read. And we read through and we get to that third, but you're doing yourself a disservice if you're sending it out and it's kind of hard to get to those great poems. So put your best poems at the front. If you're worried about the arc, I would say make sure that you mention in your cover letter kind of your vision for the way that your poems are going to take shape. Mm -hmm. Um, We personally love organizing manuscripts, so that's not something that we're concerned with as long as the work is strong. Right, when we're reading submissions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I'd also say variety. If your body of work has a lot of variety in terms of theme or tone or shape, um, include some variation towards the front Mm -hmm. so that you kind of do the people reading submissions a little favor of like shaking up the system. But that's kind of an maybe a personal preference. No, I like that as well. I agree with you on that. It's teaching me, again, as the new reader of this work, that the first five poems all did something similar. I'm going to expect that the next five poems are going to do something similar, too. And that doesn't excite me. Or it certainly doesn't give me the element of surprise, which we love in poetry. But, yeah, I think having that variety in the first five to eight poems, especially in a a chapbook manuscript or a full length, is another way to get to pique someone's interest to see where is this going to go next. Uh, And it's hard. It's hard to know as the poet, when you read your own work, what is my best poem? What are my best five poems? That's really hard to know. So I also recommend finding, um, finding your people and finding a friend, finding friends who are in this as well and see if you can get some readers in your lived life who can give you some feedback because it is genuinely hard to know. Mm-hmm. It's fun too and surprising when, you know, you make your mind up. You're like, I spent three years on this poem and yeah. it didn't make the cut. Or, you know, it's interesting to see what, what your friends or your supporters or your community might believe is your strongest work. Yeah. Um, it's a really good exercise. And that's what this is all about, by the way. Writing is a very intimate, personal thing. Sending it out into the world is about sort of changing your relationship to it. And that is allowing other opinions to come in and other brains to absorb it. And so it's really valuable to hear how it is received by others. Okay, so we've got where we have how. Okay, I've got a big stack of poems, let's say. (laughs) What, how do I determine what to submit? If it needs to be out in the world at all? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I make those choices? Do you have any advice for me, Claire? I do. I think this is where the philosophical questions are extremely appropriate because this gets into the 
why am I writing this? Okay, that's the first question you have to answer. It's not something you have you have to know completely or understand completely, but there needs to be a certain intimacy with your own drive as a writer. And what are you saying with your work? What is your work's mission statement? What is its purpose? Uh, even if it is just to help you process your own trauma, if it's that personal and that simple, that's still something that the world could really use. People can relate to that. But it's just good to have those specifics, I think, in understanding what your work is doing, to be able to read through it and make a selection of what you think would be most needed in the world, most needed in the publishing world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I hope that we all interrogate the things that we put out into the world we mm -hmm. are all responsible for the pictures we post the things mm -hmm. we say the comments we make and with the digital world it feels more complicated and easier than ever to generate i'm going to say the gross word content <laughs> and you know literature falls within that realm of something that technology has made easier to distribute and share. Mm. And I think it's important that we always ask, like, I wrote this poem. Who is this poem for? Mm -hmm. Why does this poem need to be out in the world? What is it saying? Am I comfortable with this work being seen by people I love? People I don't love. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, with writing, there's often an element of vulnerability. Yeah. And for a long time, I was not prepared to share myself with the world. And I don't know if I'm still prepared. That's a question I ask myself often. Right. And so with every piece of writing that you consider sharing, you have to accept responsibility for what that piece might generate out in the world. And on a lighter note, but in the same vein, you have to be able to imagine what kind of dialogue it can create and what kind of other art it can spark and what it's a part of. I think about that with my own work because I asked the question, what are you saying with this work a couple seconds ago? And we were talking about this and it's like, well, sometimes that's really hard for me to answer as a poet because my poems don't often take a single subject. They're often more fractured than that and trying to embrace a lot of things at once. And so for me, that's a dialogue with a history of that type of writing. That's a dialogue with other artists who were exploring consciousness in a way that I find important and interesting and inspiring. And so I think that there can be a lot of really different answers to these questions. And it's really inspiring to think that the work we put out there, if it does get taken and it does get published somewhere, could inspire someone else. That's also a really beautiful part of this. Um, and so it also helps us not to be so insular and so alone as writers, because it is a very lonely practice sometimes. Um, but really, we are all in dialogue with each other. So yeah. that's another, yeah, another reason to go out there and read and see 
who you're in dialogue with. But it is fun to ask. Um, and when you when you get those answers that feel right to you, it can be really yeah. exciting. And then you go back to your list and you send it out. Yeah, really sending your work out to be published, potentially be published, and even if it never gets published, this is a whole exercise in understanding yourself as an artist better. And that helps you understand what you're trying to do and it helps you do it better. So I definitely think it's a really, I think it's a, a practice that helps us grow as writers. Okay, so I have a packet of poems. I've asked myself where and why and checked some guidelines. What is something that I can expect when I've arrived at a place that's open for submissions? Mm-hmm. Well, there is the small matter of the cost. Um, and it is unfortunate that a lot of places do charge for submissions. We charge for submissions and there's a reason behind it. The reason is that we are a really small press and um, we are only two people. And so we have to make sure that our submissions don't grow beyond, let's say, 100 or a couple hundred submissions would be a lot for two people to have to read. So the cost helps us offset the cost of publishing our books, and it also helps us not be in a situation where we can't actually give the time to each submission that we receive. But that's us. A lot of places have different reasons for their submission fees. It's just important to know that they're there. You can absolutely find places with free submission periods. So that's a piece of research you can do if that's really important to you being able to submit your work. That can be priority number one, the, the cost being low or nothing. That could help you tier your submissions where you're like, well, I'm only going to pay for three this year. So where can I submit for free? Um, but I also want to mention that when it comes to costs, writers can technically, we can do our art for free. Um, a lot of artists have to buy clay or paint or canvases, and they have an embedded cost in the materials and the ability to produce their art form. And we're so lucky that that's less of a barrier. Of course, you can spend a lot of money on a lot of things as a writer, but you don't have to. And so I like to think about my expected costs when it comes to submissions as just part of the cost of being a writer and the cost of my craft and the materials of my work. And so I give myself a little budget and I think that that can look like it can be $20 a year, it can be $100 a year, whatever it is for you. If you make a little budget, that can also help you decide where to submit your work. I'd also say I've noticed if you follow certain presses or mags online, they'll sometimes throw you a bone and be like, we're free today. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and yeah. places also do fee waivers. If the fee is too much, you just reach out to a real person and have, often they don't ask questions. It's just making sure that you put in the effort of reaching out to someone and we gladly offer waivers for our prize as well. Yeah. And, you know, we can't talk about costs without the very big, complicated, we won't dive too deep into it, issue of a lot of these presses are run by people that aren't being paid. This mm -hmm. is labor of love, um, which it costs human time and energy 
And that can be a very large sacrifice. Um, so we're seeing a lot of great places not being able to sustain themselves because they can't have a balanced life and manage a press. Um, right. So think about, you know, sometimes these costs, there's a reason they're probably being paid to just pay for the domain. And think about other ways you might be supporting presses or lit mags. So I wish submissions did not cost. I wish that the act of buying lit mags and supporting them and being a good literary citizen would allow all of us to be able to submit our work for free. Mm-hmm. But that's not the reality we're currently in. Um, it's a complicated matter and every day another great mag has to shut down. Yeah. So it's a way we can support and there are there's a wide range. So some of the first book prizes that pay several grand for the winner, they have a higher submission fee and that makes sense. So there's places you can submit for free or for five or ten dollars like us. It's a wide range and it's nice because the industry can kind of meet you where you are with that and vice versa. Um, yeah. Well, what else in our? I mean, I hope this conversation has been energizing to others. I know it's like you can just throw your work out and see what happens, but I feel like that's very obvious when we read submissions. It's very clear when someone isn't part of what we're doing um, when it feels like someone hasn't read any of the poets that we've worked with, I think research becomes very clear yeah. when you're going through submissions. And it's, yeah, it might not feel obvious to you, but trust me, it becomes apparent very quickly if you're if you're reading submissions. Um, so you want to think about the person who's a person yep. on the other end of that submission and their time and energy and yeah give them your best work Mm -hmm. like light up their day make them excited yeah and and this is giving your work its best shot too if you if you adhere to the guidelines and you submit your work with intentionality I think you have a higher chance there's no way for me to prove that but I think it's it's the way these things work is that you just have a better chance of landing somewhere and even though we all get rejected, Anar, I've been rejected as well. It's just part of the process. And if you paid money and you feel bad that you didn't get your work in, just know that that money is helping the press stay alive. And it is helping the real people on the other end of that submission to keep doing this work so that you can keep submitting your work and find where it belongs in the end. So yeah, I I'm grateful that I'm coping with rejection better than ever because it stings. It stings when (laughs) you're like, this is it. This is something that you're really proud of and that the world would be so lucky to, to see out on the shelves. But it's become easier to manage rejection when, especially as someone who reads submissions, it's not personal at all. Right. Um, Not at all. It's not personal. It's about what that particular issue or that particular press is hoping for or looking for at that time. Um, There's also seasons where 
there's so many talented writers sending out work right. at the same time. And they're in dialogue with the other submissions. And it just makes a great issue. And despite your work being great, it just didn't fit. And that is very true very often. No matter how great your work is, it just did not yeah. fit. And it's okay. It just means you keep going. Um, yeah. So don't take it personally. Um I hope we all have coping skills, but yes, just kind of accepting that and being excited to to share your work elsewhere, to read your work locally, to share your work with your friends, like that all is extremely satisfying. Yeah. So, on the note of submissions, I think it's important that we mention that we're open for submissions for the host publications chapbook prize. Mhm. Close on St. Patrick's Day, so if you get pinched for not wearing green, run yep. home, change, <laughs> upload your manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are currently open. We accept submissions through Submittable. So it's a super easy process. So if you don't have a Submittable account, you can create one for free. Please do read our guidelines. And we are just so so thrilled and excited to see the submissions coming in. We can't wait to read your work. We can't wait to select the next winner for the host publications chapbook prize. So if you have a chapbook manuscript that you're ready to send out into the world, then send it our way. Absolutely. And just the very last bit of housekeeping, if you have yet to order Gemini Gospel, please do that now. Pre-orders will ship at the end of March. Um, And if you order by March 24th, you will receive a signed copy. And yeah, first 100 pre-orders will get all those fun goodies. And we're we're pretty close to 100. So don't sleep on it. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. And thank you, Claire, for walking me through the world of submissions. Oh, thanks for sharing your experience, Anar. Thanks for chatting with me about this. And uh, let's do it again soon. Until next time. (laughs) 